Welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing scripture. My name is Zach Taylor. I'm here today with uh, Jeremy, Nathan, Jesse, and Dr. Bailey. How are y'all doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Today we had a great service. Um, We actually, we just started our revival service with Brother Bagwell. Uh, So we had a great crowd there this morning. Uh, Excited to see what God will uh, do in this revival. He's preaching this week on Paul's paragraphs. Never heard that in my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. Paul's great paragraph. Yeah, yeah. so he, he chose one this morning, and uh, it was First First Timothy 5, I yeah. think it was. Tremendous, man. It was brilliant. Great, great. Excellent stuff. Yeah, it was really good. Now, we're back again for another episode on uh, the series that we've been recently doing, and that is the New Testament Baptist Confession. Uh, so, Pastor, why don't you go ahead and pick us up where we are going to be starting today? Yeah, we. I'm not exactly sure what number this paragraph is, but we have dropped down to... Uh, you know, basically the recognition that independent Baptist fundamentalism is a large and diverse movement. And, I, you know, one thing that's absolutely true about independent fundamental Baptists is there's, because of the independence of that movement, there's really not a network of commonality or a sort of a uh, sort of a continuity of, of biblical teaching. So among independent fundamental Baptists, um, you may have in the same town, three different churches, and one may be premillennial, one may be amillennial, one may be postmillennial, because there's no real controlling body of doctrine uh, that that really teaches what we're supposed to believe based on Scripture. And in the same town, you may have, a, in fact, it is that way in this town. You know, we have independent fundamental Baptist churches, and some are liberal, some are very conservative, some are Calvinistic, some are non-Calvinistic, uh, some are more modern, and others are really old school. And so, uh, you know, the paragraph uh, basically, you know, it gives to us this idea, you know, the statement here, there's more than one independent fundamental Baptist movement. In fact, there may be hundreds who adopt the spirit of independent Baptist fundamentalism worldwide. And I think that's exactly what we're facing uh, today when addressing some of the problems. The reason the problems are so numerous is because there's no one specific type of independent fundamental Baptist church. If somebody says they're independent and fundamental, you don't know what that means anymore, which I think is part of the the reason why the confession is so needful. Such a broad and odd, even in some ways, you know, very unusual teachings among some of them. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't even that Stephen Anderson out in Arizona, he claims to be an independent fundamental Baptist, correct? Does he not? Or was he you know, just... Tra- I know he was... He trained and graduated from Hiles. He graduated from Hiles Anderson, or went to Hiles Anderson. I'm not sure that he graduated. In fact, I think he might have dropped out in his, his last year hmm. because of some uh, issues that he, he was starting to have have with the college. And so, I, you know, and I'm not totally sure about that, so I don't want to misrepresent that. Stephen Anderson is a unique fella, you know, because he is... There's another guy out out west. His name is Josh Tice. Are you guys familiar with Josh Tice? Oh yeah. So when this whole thing started to come come about, I talked to Josh Tice for nearly two hours on the telephone. I called him one day and I just said, you know, I'd love to have an opportunity, maybe if we could make an appointment just for us to chit chat a little bit, because Josh Tice, Josh Tice had been tagged with um, uh, renaming Independent Fundamental Baptists as New Independent Baptists. And so I called him because I wanted to know, you know, with our 
motivation here about New Testament Baptist. I wanted to know if he was already going in a direction that uh, possibly needed to, just didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I didn't know Josh Tice. So we had an incredible discussion. He, you know, like everybody, there are things that he, that I believe that he didn't agree with. There are things that he believed that I didn't agree with. But at the end of the conversation, we both, I felt like we really struck up a pretty good friendship. And we've had a little contact since that conversation. But the term new independent Baptist came from a statement that he made in a blog where he actually said there is a group, uh, there is a group of new independent Baptists on the scene that are changing things. And people laid hold of that, some of the opponents of change, they more or less laid hold of that and they accused Josh Tice of of creating a new denomination called New Independent Baptist. But when I talked to him about that, he said, brother, he said, that is absolutely untrue. Hmm. Uh, He said, we still claim to be independent fundamental Baptists, which again, kind of proves the point that we're making here today. Uh, Josh Tice, as as far as a, I I don't want to label him or or put words in his mouth or anything, but, uh, you know, they they have a more contemporary form of worship, a very modest, uh, uh, excuse me, a very, uh, uh, not modest, but the word I'm trying to, casual type of service. You know, kind of he he preaches sometimes like in just a, you know, nice pants and a pullover shirt or something of that nature, which among many independent fundamental Baptists, this would be like if you're not wearing a suit and a tie, you're, you're, going you're to hell. yeah, you're dead wrong. You know, I heard that one before. Really? If you're not wearing you know, a suit actually, and tie, you're going to hell. To you comment, you on heard that. somebody say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to that comment, doesn't surprise me. To comment on that, <laughs> it was what? It was a woman. Really? Wow. To comment on that, actually, what, I remember when I was at, does she have a <laughs> she? So she I'm wanted. Sorry, Zach. I just I need to hear a little bit sorry. more about this. So she, um, I was just just got saved. I went back up because I was I've always played guitar at the church, and so I went up and started playing guitar. And she hounded me for days. Uh, every service telling me you need to start wearing a suit you need to start wearing a suit if you don't wear a suit you're going to hell and she but she would say it so quick to make it seem like she wasn't actually saying it so she just kept saying all these things you're not right you're not right with god if you're if you're not wearing a suit so that's what i'm talking about so you have did she wear a suit (laughs) so you have josh tice you have josh tice who claims to be independent fundamental baptist and his services are very casual then you have this person that you're talking about jeremy without naming any names here that again I, I suppose claims to be independent fundamental Baptist and they're like completely to the right of that yeah. and so that that's part of the reason why this paragraph was worded the way it was is because uh, you know one of the sentences here many smaller groups exist within independent Baptist fundamentalism and sadly most of them are averse one to another so the church that you're talking about would have a major issue with Josh Tice being so casual and uh, but nevertheless they that, both identify as independent fundamental Baptist. that same church there was somebody else in the that was a member said if you it she thought that it was a sin if you wore open-toed shoes or heels and that it, it i've heard that and and it was it's more of a personal conviction than anything that because what's wrong with open-toed shoes or heels well you don't want standards you know, i mean really you got to be careful because you don't want to come to church and be lusting after a woman's toes you right know that's well that's disgusting I, <laughs> I don't look at people's when I, feet when i met my wife the first thing i looked at was her toes yeah toes. exactly right yeah that's a qualification for marriage right yeah Wow. Have nice toes. That's incredible, isn't it? And so see, here's my problem with this, guys. That makes it to the pulpit. You see, there's no filter. 
You know, I mean, this this makes it into church standards and it makes it to the pulpit as if this is a, a doctrinal message. And to me, that's just foolishness, you know, to emphasize something that that petty and, and allow that permit that to go to the you know, brother Bagwell was preaching this morning. You guys all were here and you heard him. And did you notice how he opened his message up with with that really strong statement? You know, force me to stay with the passage, force me to stay with the text. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to still tell stories about my childhood and tell fishing stories and all that kind of stuff. That's where the first error, that's where it comes. Personal stories, personal illustrations and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I suppose there's, there's times, you know, when those may be appropriate, but when that's the, you know, when that's the meat of the message, the meat of the message when that's the best thing you say that day, we got major problems. Yeah. 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 yeah they open the Bible things. and they close it right after that. Two things. Actually, exactly. um, when I was at PCC, uh, Josh Tires came and he preached. So I followed him on Facebook and I added him. And I noticed what you said about his church services. They are completely different. Um, I mean, a lot different than what we would accustom to. So me just being curious, I I messaged him. I messaged him probably a very long paragraph. I didn't expect to hear back from him. Didn't know if I would, but he actually took the time to message me back. And he told me basically, he said, nobody in Las Vegas wears suits. He's like, so for me to get up and wear a suit would be just an oddball. He said, so for me dressing up and dressing really nice is a nice pair of slacks and a button up shirt or a polo. So uh, that's, yeah. And and like you said, now, if you ask the typical, that is very modern. Do I agree with it? No. Maybe not. But it talks about the diversity also just to be clear i looked it up and steven anderson actually does identify himself as an independent fundamentalist so yeah so so some people have said that the the term new independent baptist came from josh tice and i talked to josh tice about that personally and that's not true uh it was a misrepresentation of something that he wrote in a blog and then i've heard other people that have said that steven anderson is beginning he's beginning to try to call himself a new independent baptist i don't know i don't know he does his does identify as that on the church website he yeah. identifies as a new independent fundamental. Yeah, my, my contention is that the terms independent and fundamental are where the problem is. It's not the, the term Baptist, but I think those two terms, independent and fundamental, have really been lost to scandal and controversy and some of the garbage that people have, you know, like Jeremy's talking about here. You, you just never know what you're going to get. When you walk into an independent fundamental Baptist meeting, you absolutely never know what's going to be preached. No. I'll give you another example. I went to a meeting one time, true story, and early in the meeting, there was a man who stood up and said, uh, if you don't wear a necktie, he used the term fag. Mm. He said, if you don't wear a necktie, you're a fag. And then he left the meeting, and the next part of the meeting, another man came, and he said, those neckties are for queers. If you wear one, you're a fag. So we had, in the first half of the meeting, we had a guy preaching for them and the next half we got a guy preaching against them. Here's my thing. None of that's in the Bible. No, right. <laughs> for, or, for or against is not in the Bible. So yeah. I wear, I mean, you guys know me. I wear a suit and a tie every time, you know, at least every Sunday. And uh, sometimes, on, you know, a lot of times on Wednesday nights, I just wear a shirt and a tie uh, because it's a little more personal. But I seldom get any, any more casual than that, you know. But nevertheless, you know, this is one of those adiaphorous subjects where it's just not covered in Scripture. We can't uh, we can't make a make an issue out of this. Yeah. I just pulled up several different verses on modesty and not one says anything about yeah. wearing suit ties no. or wearing a polo yeah, shirt. That's, that's where the crux of this thing is. If true Bible exposition transcends culture, exactly, it, tra- it transcends time, for of course, because we're not in the biblical times, but it transcends culture as well, where makes the big question is how do we apply it? Right. Here's the thing. 
the only thing that the only person that transcends time and culture is the Holy Spirit. Right. That's right. He's the only thing that can help us as far as and geography, location, and geography, all location, all that. Because right. in America today, you see two men walk around holding hands. What do you suggest? Culturally, we say that would be uh, effeminate, effeminate, or homosexual tendencies or, or a lifestyle. But in South Korea, just Italians do. They exchange kisses on the cheek. It's sort of a friendship you know, and gesture. We, Nathan, you remember what uh, four or five years ago here in our church, we had that group of South American boys. And oh, yeah. I'm telling you, there's a lot of our guys in the school. They would watch those guys' behavior because they were hugging and embracing and holding hands and putting their arms around each other at church. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys in the school, they would come to me and they would say, Pastor, don't you think that's fruity? well yeah yeah, but it's a cultural thing thing. yeah well it's just like uh, one thing i had to learn uh being a white and marrying a spanish person was uh when you go to a house you greet everybody you go up and you kiss all the ladies on the cheek you give all the guys a hug hello i mean that's just the culture of it and if you walk in you know the way i was born and raised we'd walk into a house full of people and we just say hey y'all how y'all doing and then just go do whatever you want to do can't do that you have to go up and you have to hug them i'm telling you there's been a couple times when uh, just because culturally it's different i walk up and not hug everybody and then they're offended yeah they're offended by it so we'll we'll discuss this more definitely definitely probably have to suggest a whole time for that but paul experienced that he said i am all men to all people why is that because he had a transverse culture even in his journey, he had to apply himself to the people to reach the people, not compromising the scriptures Why he did that. But definitely not become all things to all men. Well, all here's a big thing. Men. We've been preaching through yeah. Galatians. And if you believe the Bible transcends culture and history and all of that, then you have to look. A prime example is the Galatian church. They were considered, they were yeah, not just Jewish. like a melting pot. They had Jew and Gentile in one Jew, church. Gentile. But here's the thing. The Bible transcends culture. Yeah. Now, there were certain things that they kept, but certain things that they were trying to force culturally onto the Gentiles just couldn't fit in the Bible. And Paul calls it wrong. And Paul, the things, the cultural things that they tried to enforce as law, the Apostle Paul put his foot down. and He said, no way. You're not going to force me to do it, and you're not going to force my people to do it. So he told them no. He withstood Peter to the face over that very issue. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of the stuff really, when you boil it down, it comes down to racism. It really comes down to that because if if i go into your your latino family reunion and these guys come up and they're they're you know giving me a kiss or or this or that if i'm offended by that and i look at them and say hey this is fruity or this is whatever you want to call it if i have insulted their culture that becomes an issue of racism in which i say your race is wrong your culture and your race is wrong for this and if we don't have bible to defend those statements that's where brother hudson you're talking about paul saying i was all things to all men you know he was willing to go to sir he was even when he went to corinth he never compromised the truth but he allowed that corinthian culture to have certain inroads into his life so that he could be identified identifiable with that culture. Same thing with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not even their names. Their names are Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah. Hananiah. You know, they, they adopted those Babylonian names because that was the culture that they were going to have to live in during that day. And they were able to do that. But when they told them they had to eat meat that was sacrificed to an idol, they said, we can't. That's because it, it so deliberately disobeyed the scriptures which they knew and right. which they had in their own conscience. That's and right. this kind of, we were sitting in lunch today and talking about this. There's a 
difference, and there's something that a lot of churches need to realize, is there's a difference between preference and conviction. Absolutely. Huge difference. And when it when it comes to preaching, um, it seems like these people, are they're, they're just running out of things to preach. But how long have you been here, Pastor? Five years? Yeah, five. And how many oh, books have years. you preached through? Six or seven? Oh, I don't remember now. It's um, six or seven now. Yeah. Yeah. And, by, and we're getting ready to start another one shortly. And by the time you either, you know, retire from this church or... God forbid you die. You still probably won't cover the whole no, Bible. I won't. When I was in Live Oak, I colored uh, seventeen years. Seventeen years in one pulpit, thirty-nine mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. And how how do you run out of things to preach? Because you by the time you get through the whole Bible, it's time for you to start back over. It's, you start back over because by that time you've had another generation come and go in your church. Uh, it just blows my mind the things that people find. It's really lazy. Yeah. For somebody to stand up and say, "Today I'm going to preach on open-toed shoes." <laughs> For me, that's insanely lazy. That's a person who has not been in the Word of God, mm-hmm. and it shows in the content of what they say and what and, and what they preach. Well, just think about it. Even if you preached a psalm a week, it would take almost two, three years. And we got and up. some of them, the hundred nineteenth, you're not going to preach I, that in a week. No, no, because we do we a finished. psalm Sunday. What you're talking about is our practice mm-hmm. here. Once in a while, we do a psalm Sunday when we have when we have a break. And uh, but now here we are in the eighteenth psalm. No, and, and you remember it. what I said before at, to, to the church is that uh, you know sometimes we do a Psalm Sunday and then some Psalms have to have several Sundays and that's yeah. the way it is with the 18th Psalm it's going to be a little while before we get through it and even some topical preachers that I listen to they would never even dream of like preaching against these personal convictions because there's so many biblical topics to preach about that are absolutely so relevant to what the church is going through absolutely personal convictions should I'll never... tell you a story okay this is the nail in the coffin for me missionary to Kenya came to our church and I asked him specifically to go to lunch one day because I had something I wanted to talk to him about as far as the philosophy of missions is concerned. So we sat down at lunch, and, and I said, Dear brother, I'm not going to call your name. I'm not going to identify you. You're, you're, this is a totally safe environment. I said, but I want to ask you a question. Will independent fundamental Baptist dress code work in Kenya? And he laughed. He dropped his head and snickered for a moment and then went into a full-on laughter because he told me, he said, Brother Bailey, first of all, he made me promise, is this going to be anonymous. I said, I promise you it's going to be a not. Nobody will ever know who I had this conversation with. He said, Brother Bailey, he said, my first 12 months in Kenya, he said, the women came to our services topless, to which I responded, what? And he said, yes, that's their culture. And so I asked him, I said, what did you do? He said, I started in Genesis chapter one, verse number one, and started preaching through the Bible. And he said, as I continued to methodically and systematically go through God's word, subjects came up and he said, I was able to address nakedness and things of that nature in such a way that was biblical, but not confrontational. There's a huge difference between the two. Some people think if it's biblical, it has to be confrontational. And that's not necessarily the case. The Bible says his commandments are not grievous. And so when we're delivering these sermons and these messages and preaching our standards in such a way that they're just browbeating people and turning people off, uh, we've misrepresented the whole the whole Bible altogether. Brother Brother Lee Davis gave an illustration about uh, the armor of, of God that has never left me. I remember he said that. he said that we have the shield of faith, 
and that's what we take out into the world and we bring in lost souls we're not confronting them we bring them into the refuge of god which is the church and that becomes a haven yep. for the believers i remember that and nothing nothing that he said was that we go and we we chop their head off with the sword and then we come back and put them together or something well I mean, it's, it's like the old preacher used to say you gotta you gotta catch a fish before you clean it mm-hmm. yeah the term conviction is really good throwing everybody off i have my convictions you have your convictions and that actually that's a, such a misnomer it's pitiful to a point where it's not scriptural to, to be biblical we have one conviction that is from genesis revelation that's exactly right and we have a bible yes we don't have personal convictions we have a bible we have a bible and we are to apply that bible as the holy spirit does with our hearts personally but that's the thing is that we have forsaken the scriptures and that has become our initial error and that's that's where i want to get back to our portion of our paragraph here is that we have small groups and it's not monolithic to where we can objectively look at this and say this has become wrong in this area and that area it's just become a hybrid mm-hmm. it has become a, a almost a freak of nature but we say we intend this confession to be quote uh, to offer that quote alternative well what alternative alternative is that is it an alternative to um the name are we to call ourselves something else other than independent fundamental are we to uh, are we to live under another flag what identification is that you know a lot of times we are looked up on the net on the on the web and we're searched under independent fundamental people come into the area and look for a church they usually type in southern baptist independent missionary baptist whatever and under that heading of baptist and if we no longer call ourselves independent fundamental for that sake what we would call ourselves and that's the thing is we're not really calling ourselves anything new mm-hmm. right but we are calling ourselves back to the scriptures. we're actually going back to a better term a better term well, and if not, if, if, not a not a uh, not a lesser term or a or a term with less teeth. We're actually going to a more biblical term. When we call ourselves New Testament Baptists, those are terms that are in the Scripture right. that can replace the terms independent and fundamental, which neither are in the Bible. And it seems that they are too general because you know, like you're saying, we have these church, these independent fundamental Baptist churches that believe a certain set of things, and then you have on the complete flip side someone who believes total opposite. And it seems to be that even the Southern Baptists are more unified than independent fundamental Baptists. They are because they have a, a stronger body and they have the convention statement of faith. Right. You know, and the thing about Southern Baptists is is, is not every not every Southern Baptist church has to adhere to the Southern Baptist statement of faith, but they do run the risk of losing their affiliation mm-hmm. if they're not willing to stay somewhat close to what is what is being taught by the Southern Baptist Convention. And I guess it would come down to, you know, labels. I mean, we, we label everything, you know. Even the secular world, if you speak out against homosexuality, you're a bigot or you're you're homophobe, things like that. But what, right. what do we want to be labeled as? Because you don't want to be labeled in the wrong category. Someone might have a totally misconstrued meaning of independent fundamental Baptist. Well, one of the statements... That's not true. Yeah, and one of the statements in the confession is most independent independent fundamental Baptists are neither independent nor fundamental. Yeah. That's the problem. It's the, it's That's the, the terminology. What do, what do you want to be labeled as? And I, I, I think New Testament Baptist suits suits this movement very it's the, well. It's the only safe argument because yeah. we're in the scriptures and some say, well, conviction, what, what kind of conviction? There's three convictions. You have your personal belief, 
was conviction. Some some would say that, and then would say your conviction would be a feeling because Scripture talks about He. The Holy Spirit will go out and convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and in a sense of feeling. Some would say it would be a feeling, some would say it would be a belief, but the real conviction there, the term in a lot of the New Testament words, is a legal status, a legal document. And our job is to stay safe legally. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is to stay between the cover of this whole book. I say conviction, we have one conviction in the end. And anybody listening, if you're wondering what we are, we're not going anything to the right, we're not going anywhere to the left, we're going back to hopefully. The middle road of scripture. I agree. Yeah, that's absolutely right. There's a ditch on both sides. You got it. That's why Joshua said, "Depart not to the right hand or to the left." I think ditches on both sides of the road. With reading this confession and doing these podcasts, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the independent fundamental Baptist movement has lost the oneness in Christ. Yes, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it is. And we've said it before, we're, we're taking, these pastors are preaching these things and then certain members are, are going with that. And now we're taking the, we're taking, we're just like our pastor now and nothing wrong with loving your pastor and agreeing with some of the things he says. But if like, if, like we just said, if you would die right now, would we, would this church survive? Do we still have the oneness in Christ, or are we a oneness in Pastor Bailey? Right, and and some in most independent fundamental Baptist churches, if a pastor died, or even worse, if he wound up in sin, the church would feel headless. Yeah, mm. and that's not the way it's supposed to operate. And but here's the thing now about that too is because people have gotten away from oneness in Christ and staying with their pastors, if that pastor had a scandal, they're going to cover that pastor up like nothing happened. That's what's happening. Because the need to maintain that pastoral mystique is so, I mean, and that pastoral authority role, the need to maintain that is so critical among independent fundamental Baptists that if it's ever discovered that he has feet of clay, then all of a sudden the whole church is vulnerable to collapse. I can think of one church right now where, where the pastor had a scandal and one person tried to outspeak about it and he got disconnected from the whole entire church hmm. kicked out yeah and then then the rest of the church tried to cover that pastor's I, mistake we don't we don't have to go very far i mean this church the one that we're sitting here in and we're speaking yeah. uh, in the in the building the pastor before pastor bailey completely ruined the testimony of the church and yet there were still people who they would have taken a bullet for that man. That's right. I mean, it's it's been preached in this sense that, you know, you have to be loyal to me. You have to be loyal to me. There are people who, who are going to say bad things about me, and they're, none of them are true. Prove it. And it was Prove also it. it was also represented, and we're almost out of time here, I know, but it was also represented in such a way that if anybody ever does make an accusation or if any, anyone ever does bring up an issue about me, individual that makes those accusations was automatically discounted, yeah. ridiculed, ostracized, and it was announced publicly from the church, they're gone, don't contact them, don't reach out to them, mm-hmm. don't try to communicate with them at all because they're poison. That's really hazardous. And then, well, and then once he all left... It was like you said, we were headless. we were headless. Yeah. I, I, I don't think yeah. there's nothing wrong with with siding or or standing up for your pastor, but when it comes to the point to where it is where against doctrine, yeah, well, that's when the line. Sin. The apostle Paul said, "Be ye followers of me, as I also follow Christ." Yeah. So that's the that's the stipulation. Right. You follow your pastor as long as he is in lockstep following the Scripture and following Christ. Yeah, that's yeah. where the Pharisees when they trying to tempt Christ with the 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 thing of divorce and he said uh, what do you think about that if a woman or this man he's talking talking about divorce there and and Jesus said what does Abraham say and then 
they give their their side of the story. Well, G, uh, Abraham gave us a writing of divorcement. What do you say about that? And Jesus quotes scripture, paraphrasing from the beginning, it was not so. Yeah. And the scripture rules it all, even though they sided with the oh. leader of one. Yeah, it was Moses. He oh, said Moses, Moses. Moses gave a writing of divorce. But you know what Jesus said in that passage? He said it's because of their problem. Their yeah. and, and here's what, their in essence, you know what Jesus said? Moses is a compromiser. Because he Because he said Moses gave you a writing of divorce, but from the beginning it was not so. They were trying to Moses take was a compromiser. And and use him to kind of kind of kind of uh, excuse their uh, I'd say their sin, but they were trying to catch Jesus. Hey, all he did was quote scripture. Right. Didn't Abraham well, try to get rid of his wife? Yes, he did. Several times. Yes, but so, I, miss, I misspoke. That, yes, he's talking about Moses twice. in that text. But Moses in the law gave them a writing of divorcement. Yeah. Correct. That's right. But even then, like I, like I said, Jesus said the only reason that was given was because of their the hardness of their heart. Hardness yeah. of their, that that, was, goes that back, was never meant to be yeah, because of that's right. their absolutely selfishness they and their sin the, nature. The leadership of the church. Uh, yeah. But again, that goes back to our – it kind of brings us back full circle here. You know, culturally, their culture had deteriorated into a place where you could get a divorce if your wife burned the bread. And so – Jesus had to fix that culture. He had to reverse that culture to get them back on track. And so culture does not dictate the doctrine of the church. And that's not what we're after here in the New Testament Baptist Confession. We think that there's a culture among independent fundamental Baptists that has hazarded the scripture and has caused the scripture to be in great jeopardy. And that's where you know, we're trying to turn back to the straight and narrow path where we should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Something we always have to remember is that when Christ argued or debated something, he always went back to the Scripture. Absolutely. I think that's something that we have to get back to is Even just going back to the Scripture. That's exactly right. Yes. So that was a good episode, guys. Um, thank you once again for tuning in to an episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast. Just as a reminder, uh, you can find this podcast now on several different uh, avenues. You, We have it on YouTube. Help me out here, Jeremy. I believe we have it on S- Apple now. Apple, Spotify, Google. Google Podcast. There's a couple other ones. Podbean. Podbean. Uh, Pocket Cast. Uh, there's a few other ones. Again, they're not really well known, but they're they're out there. It's about ten different platforms. That's well, awesome. now we can safely say you can find this pretty much anywhere. Anywhere where podcasts are found. That's great. So thank you guys for tuning in again uh, to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing Scripture.